Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. John Ledyard, FanRag Sports and NDT Scouting, along with Trevor Sycamore from PewterReport.com, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Trev, do you have the post-draft blues at all? Um, Are you recovering define post, okay? Define post-draft blues. What do you mean? Like, do I miss it yet? Are Is you that melancholy what? in your soul? No, I slept 12 hours yesterday. I'm doing great. T- 12? Hundred, yeah. 12. Yes. I, how do you get your body to do that? No, it was, I mean, it was three, it was nine at night, and then I took a three-hour nap in the middle of the day. Just because I could, John. Just because I could. That's a three-hour nap. I honestly don't think I could get my body to take a three-hour nap. I pulled two all-nighters in three days during the draft. It's crazy. Crazy, so crazy. I was, I was, I was needing that like as much recharge as, as right. human. I possible. forgot you stayed up to go see uh, Infinity War, and then I saw it again. Oh my gosh, I'm going. I've seen it twice. Week. I can't wait. We're going to discuss it at length on the podcast once we both have seen it. By the way, at length. Spoiler episode. We got a we got a really cool message that I wanted to read on the podcast um, from our from our boy Adam Johnson, who's a faithful listener. Um, he he wrote some really cool things. He said. Uh, he, I posted a thank you on Twitter and he wanted to thank me for that. He said, and uh, he said, the draft is a huge passion of mine. I'm always looking, I'm always hoping to grow my knowledge of not only the draft, but the game of football as well. You and Trevor, in my opinion, are the best in the business. I'm lucky to be a Cowboys fan and have a multitude of great minds that bring top notch draft info. That's very true. Cowboys Twitter has lots of great draft people, but locked on NFL draft is truly something else. That was something I looked forward to every day when I was leaving class and could listen to on my ride home. From your pronunciation of Josh Allen, Josh Allen, <laughs> and to Trevor's undying love for his big ass son Nathan Shepard, <laughs> I loved every minute of the insight y'all brought. I have the post draft blues, as I'm sure many do, but damn it, if I'm not ready for the 2019 draft, can't wait to see all the great things y'all do going forward. Y'all are appreciated. Super cool note from Adam, and it was one of so many we've gotten that I mean. I know we've talked about it, but just totally blown away by, I mean, everything from the number of people that have downloaded the podcast uh, over the season, um, which just boggles our mind, uh, to to the amount of support and messages we've received throughout the entire process. Um, people just is awesome. You know, we we might uh, ether a few fans here and there um, on Twitter, but man, for the most part, we just couldn't ask for anything more. Our listenership is just freaking crazy. It's awesome. Yep. Yep. Very appreciative. Humbled by all of it. Yeah, so that you guys sure. would listen to us kind of banter about uh, things that, that we do not know for certain. Right. Because, I mean, the draft well, well, is eh, pretty. You're sad. right. You're right. Pretty I sad. know for certain you. Yeah. Oh, not so much. But wow. Also important to remember that we keep this up year round. So, you know, as I told Adam the other night, I was like, if you like listening to us, we don't stop, you know, and, you know, it might not be draft Smash season. That per subscribe se, but, button. Yeah, exactly crush that thing i mean heck you can check in every so often download a bunch of our episodes we still have fun we still talk football we talk draft we talk college football a ton we'll project out to the nfl we'll discuss rookies at length uh we've got tons to talk about today we're talking about nfc east draft classes do we got we're we're talking adam's cowboys for oh we're uh, talking adam's in honor of adam we're talking about his cowboys right off the bat we're kicking things We'll 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 start with nfc east I don't think the Cowboys draft was this big thing to get panicked over. Like they're they're panicked. Cowboys Twitter it was, was fine. going. Ham. It was I good. I was. I agree. Cowboys had a good draft, I man. Agree. 
I would have taken Rashawn Evans over Van Der Esch, but I totally get where they're coming from. Get a right. developmental guy with great athleticism. It's hard to knock that pick. You know, you just no. got to develop him now. Yeah, I was, I was, we were hearing Van Der Esch was going to go top fifteen ish, like, right. te, like, te, like nine or ten. I saw some people saying like, oh, if the Bears take Roquan at eight, or if the um, or even if the Colts take Roquan at six, then the Bears or the 49ers could take Van Der Esch eight, nine. And I'm like, sure. all right, slow your roll here, okay? Like, I know you watch Blue Mountain State and you like Thad Castle, but like, <laughs> like they do look the take same. Take it easy. Take like take it easy on the Van Der Esch hype at, at in the top ten. But at 19, it's fine, especially for the Cowboys. I thought it was fine. And then Connor Williams in the second round. Even though I what wasn't even Con- that, I wasn't even a big what Connor Williams Con- fan. Do, dude, like, but a guard, yeah, that's perfect range for him. He was like right around this spot. Yeah, on the board. right. I think like the, I thought the Cowboys. I thought the Cowboys had a lot of picks where it was like, the, what, what? I don't know. Whatever you thought of the prospects here and there, really good fit for the Cowboys. Right. Like Connor Williams, you could have thought, oh, I had people over him. He might not be a tackle, whatever. Well, for the Cowboys, he plays guard and now goes right into a position where I think he makes that. He, I mean, like he totally rejuvenates that offensive line as one of the best ones in the NFL again when you plug him in there at that guard spot. So. Yep. I think he's going to be because it's a perfect landing spot. The guys are going to help him develop, and that's what he needed, really. So yeah, I'm I'm all about it. I think it's, I think it was a very good draft. And Michael Gallup, same thing. Like he's not going to be like this annual 1,000 yard receiver or anything. But you got a guy in the third round, like you know, he's he's better than Terrence Williams. <laughs> that's really what you were gunning for at this point. Not difficult. I mean, not difficult at all. But you get Beasley there and trading Switzer. We didn't even talk about that on the pod when we talked when we reviewed the days of the draft. That caught me by surprise. I did not see Dallas trading Switzer after one year, but either way, I mean, you have Cole Beasley, your slot, you have Williams and Gallup on the outside. No, it's not a good receiving core, but what were you going to do? Like, there wasn't a lot of options. There's not a lot of number ones in this draft, and I think they took good players that were on the board when they had the opportunity to, and I like Dalton Schultz on day three. I'm down with that. Cedric Wilson, Bo Scarborough. I think this was a good draft for Dallas. They got themselves a backup running back in the seventh. I feel like it was unfair to Dalton Schultz. It's like, hey, Jason Witten retires the day before, and all people were talking about in the pre-draft was, oh, Jason Witten's career, this and that. And now it's like, all right, we drafted a tight end. And now Dalton Schultz, it's like, does he replace the future Hall of Famer? It's like, all right, that's a little unfair. <laughs> he just goes from being a guy who would have been drafted wherever to be a backup. Yeah, and now, to now it's like, to now it's like, oh, the heir apparent to Jason Witten. No, not exactly. Not and a big deal. To like, to like uh, going all the way back down, you mentioned Bo Scarborough. I obviously had Bo Scarborough a lot higher on my rankings than you did, but in a situation where he just comes in and is clearly the backup to Zeke Elliott, there's no worry about um, stamina, about him not lasting an entire game, about him getting a full workload. Instead, I think you just get to pick and choose which Bo Scarborough carries you get, and you get, hypothetically, I mean, I, I, I obviously hope he stays healthy. You're getting the most out of a freakishly athletic and big running back whenever you give him the ball. And I like that spot a lot, especially behind Dallas's line. I, again, I th- think I think the Cowboys had a lot of guys where they picked, and it was like, wow, I really like that fit. Love this fit for Bo Scarborough. I think it's going to be able to get the most out of him. And I would not be surprised. I didn't have him ranked higher, but I would not be surprised if Cedric Wilson makes more splash plays, let's say, than Michael Gallup. I think than Michael Gallup? I, th- I would not be surprised. I think that he's a vertical-type receiver – similar in mold to Bryce Butler in some ways. And it seemed like Dak always, it was never consistent chemistry, but it seemed like 
there was something there between the two of them where they hooked up for a lot of explosive plays. Now, the consistency with Butler was just never there. Maybe Wilson can get there. I'm not sure. But, you know, if you're Wilson, what your struggle would be in projecting you, I think, was getting off press coverage. He's just not a very physical receiver. You know, well, if you're on, if you're getting guarded by the team's third best corner, you might have a little better success rate doing that. Um, so I think that he could make some plays there. And I think, honestly, he's going to make that roster. Uh, we forgot Alan Hearns is there, too. Uh, they've got a, a lot of names, but no clear number one guy. It's going to be a committee effort. It's going to have to be, and that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that in today's NFL. There were other positions that are more important. Uh, if they lose Sean Lee, that defense becomes d- just a disaster, and he gets hurt all the time. So linebacker was, was an important need. And the offensive line, they invested a ton in. You can't have a weak link when you've done that. You've invested in Zeke. You've invested in the line. You've invested in Dak. Those are your guys. you got to protect them. you got to fill that hole. So, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you would do the rest of your investments in injustice by leaving yes. a, a big question mark at a spot. Right, exactly. Man, how about the freaking Eagles? They just get it done, man. Like, I don't know what to even say. Goddard. Hold on, I'm, hold the on, second, I'm pulling up the Eagles draft. I know you love the Goddard pick. It, they, they go with us, they draft their number two tight end with their first pick. Anybody else, I would lose my mind, but their roster's so loaded. What are you going to do? I mean, uh, what's what up? about when the Bucks did that at 19 last year? Well, it was, <laughs> well, <laughs> see, they had a couple more holes. I, don't I had so many people. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast yet, but like when Cam Brate signed his extension uh, a couple of months ago, I had so many people either like DM me and like reporters, like other team reporters, like DM me and tweet at me and like, so what? What's OJ Howard's trading price? Like, what are they, are they going to trade OJ Howard? Is OJ Howard available? And I'm just like, no, no, <laughs> they're they're not trading OJ Howard. It's not happening. But I mean, well, that's, it's a uh, little different when you have as many holes as the Bucks. Yeah. We did. Yeah. I mean, they they did well this offseason, but yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing with Goddard: like, he's gonna be. It's a luxury pick, but like, even though he's not developed, it almost doesn't even really matter for that role. Like, you're not gonna play every snap. Like, it's okay, um, and he can be brought along slowly. And you no, know, Ertz is an awesome guy to learn with, and I, you know, I just think he landed in the perfect spot for him. Uh, you know, they still had some knees. I thought, you know, Avante Maddox was an interesting pick. They have a ton of corners there, but, you know, a guy that projects pretty easily to the nickel, uh, which is a role I think they really needed to fill, uh, mm-hmm. finding that spot. So, I mean, we had Michael and uh, Michael Kist and Ben Zolak on the show. They were talking about that. They have a ton of corners, yeah, right. but no real nickel. So, I've heard really good things about Maddox. I'm going to get to his tape at length. I've seen a little bit of him being here from, from Pittsburgh. I don't watch Pitt very often, I'm going to be honest. But I've seen a little bit of him. I know he struggled in the past on the outside, but I think the slot could project really well for him. Um, yeah, I, I saw him at the East-West Shrine practices, and I thought he you know, he was a guy who the last couple of days that we were there definitely stood out to me as one of the better corners there, and, and mainly from that slot role. You know, he was mm-hmm. on that third day. I always like to see you know which guys have gotten comfortable already in that third day, not only like with them and the coaching staff, but like within themselves. And Avante Maddox was that kind of guy. You know, making calls at the line, doing adjustments here and there when they were doing different, different drills. And so um, if you can pick it up in three days, then then I got faith that, that you can do so in the NFL as well, especially in your rookie year. So, I, I mean, I, I thought that was a good pick there. And then J- getting Josh Sweat right after that, five yeah. picks later, Dude, I thought. Was, first round grade for me. Uh, I know you liked him not as much as I did, but. Yeah, you were higher on him than me, but still, I mean. To get him at 130, you know, with the medical concerns or whatever, you know. I Maybe long term his knee doesn't hold up. I don't know, but. Man, you're gonna heck of a player. And like, can I we just the, talk about team, that Eagles front? Yeah. Like, 
yeah. dude, this group is insane. I mean, they're probably going to move on from Brandon Graham after this year, I would guess. But Brandon Graham, Chris Long, Michael Bennett, Derek Barnett, now Josh Sweat. Steven Means is good, and he's not even going to make this team. Tim Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, Haloti Nada. <laughs> I mean, come on. Elijah Qualls and Destiny Vile has both shown some really good things in the past, I think. I mean, I can't, like, this is just. And they're the and they're the reigning Super Bowl champs, so yeah, you know, right. Go figure. Um, and then they took that dude, that rugby dude who just ran over everyone, just destroyed people. That was my favorite pick of the draft. Yeah, you saw his, clips of that guy, uh, dude. I, so like, I put his measurables because he is six eight, three forty seven, and just like kind of like looks like an I don't want to say a normal dude, but like he's not a fat guy. No, and he weighs three forty seven. So. Yeah. Uh, like I put his numbers up against like yeah, I put his measurables up against Vita Vea. <laughs> it's so man. Um, I, I think that they should. I don't think that he is like wide enough to play offensive tackle. But like low key, put this guy at D end or D end or they already have a or tight end. <laughs> I, who cares, dude? He's six eight three forty seven. I can't wait to see him tackle what eligible the end, plays. Man? He's gonna he's gonna catch a touchdown in one of those Eagle special oh, plays totally, or whatever. Totally, totally. Yeah, that's happening. Happen. Uh, Redskins, I know, you know, here's the thing with Washington. If Geis becomes what we all know he can become, this draft is a home run. Even if Payne isn't, you know, I don't have a home run. Payne but... has his issues. Payne has his issues. He's going to have to get better and have to work on. I'll I think stand the, by that. The, th- the three picks that I like the most are Tim Settle. No, <laughs> um, we're actually uh, Geis, Deion Hamilton, and Strowman were the ones that I liked the most. Not that I didn't like mind the pain pick. I thought that was fine. And I also thought the John Kershaw pick was fine. But just those are the when they when they saw when I saw those guys names going to Washington, I was like, oh, man, that's a good pick. I like that. I can't get on board with their draft completely because I just don't think pain was worth the top 15 pick at all. You know, I just think he's so far away from his peak. And his issues with pad level and consistency and technique that that I just think are going to be really maddening. And usually you get those things at Alabama. So what was the difference then? Because the last two games this season, Deron Payne put on a show for okay, the Clemson the game. Yes, he had some splash plays, but he still had some issues. The Georgia game, I agree, he was he was dominant in that game. But I thought so the like Clemson game happened? there was some mix like what there. happened earlier in the year than what happened at the end. Like, what does he got to do? What does he have to do to make sure that, like, he is the Georgia Deron Payne? Face a team that runs zone probably every week. I don't know. I mean, like, he's okay. going to be better against zone than he is. You know, that's the thing. Well, he when, plays the Cowboys, so they do zone. That's true. That's a good point. When you face a lot of vertical concepts uh, in the run game and you have pad level issues, it can be a concern. It can be a concern in anything, but – when guys are firing off the ball straight into you and you're getting doubled or you're getting down blocked or you're getting base blocked, anything like that, and you have pad level issues, you know, pain is a great first step, but he doesn't pop forward. He pops up out of his stance. And so mm-hmm. he's getting washed a lot of the time when he shouldn't be. Um, and teams with those kind of concepts just kind of attacked him very easily. And, you know, he's athletic enough to play and, you know, and do some good things against zone schemes and, you know, keep his range and everything, keep his gap. But I just think that, Vertical concepts really kind of displaced him way too often, and I think it's going to happen in the NFL unless he. And I don't know that his pad level is something he can fix. He's real tight in his lower half, and the testing kind of showed that too. So, 
Yep. I don't know. I mean, I like. I obviously love the guy's pick. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, no. Worth the risk. Well worth the risk there, I think. Uh, and Jerron Christian, a developmental tackle that'll play behind Trent Williams and Morgan Moses and... You know what? What else do you? I mean, he's that's what he is. I mean, they overdrafted him, sure, but if somebody else is going to get him, and you have the you have a great offensive line coach, one of the best in the league, and I think that behind those two guys is where you want a guy like John Christian. So sure, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, like, I, I like their draft. Him. Their draft. Yeah, I thought they, it was. Okay. I think they just kind of addressed what they needed, and for Christian, a guy with a high ceiling that's at a very low floor. Um, you know, they have, they brought in TJ Clemmings for the same reason, you know, and Clemmings probably has more bad habits than Christian at this point. So, you know, I, I think Christian has developmental upside. I just, it hardly ever happens in the NFL with tackles with Washington. I think it's a place they develop Morgan Moses beautifully there. Uh, so I think that, uh, and, and same for Ty and Sicky, you know, they've done some really good things with him. So I think drawn Christian, if you could have pan picked one team to go to, it was this type of a spot. No worry about playing any time in the near future. will be the fourth tackle there. You know, you just take him, you develop him. Trent Williams ready to retire in two years. Plug Christian in. You hope he's ready to go. I think that's how you got to look at it. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't make progress in two years, move on. If Sean Dion Hamilton stays healthy, he's going to make an impact. I love Trey Quinn yep. in the seventh round. I think Trey Quinn makes the team. I, I don't Trey know a lot about him. It. He's a good route runner. He's a better route runner and better technician than his college teammate, Cortland Sutton. There you go. That's my wow. hot take on the pod. He obviously wow. isn't the same size, doesn't have the athletic upside, doesn't have the catch wow. radius or any of those things. Um, but he's a better technician and route runner right now than Cortland Sutton is. I don't think I'd be the only one that would say that, including Cortland Sutton fans. How about the Giants? Give your, um, give your take on the Saquon Barkley situation. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We make it sound like, or at least, I don't know, if people listen to me, they make it sound like like I hate Saquon Barkley. Or like both of us. Obviously, he's lower for both of us than for some other people. It, people can get carried away and think like, oh, we hate Saquon Barkley. I still think Saquon Barkley is a really, really good football player. I just wouldn't take a running back at two. And I especially wouldn't have done it if the Giants truly got offered three first-round picks to move out of that spot. You know, that that's when it starts to become ridiculous for me. I mean, it's the same thing with Marcus Davenport. And Marcus Davenport was a pass rusher. Saints just used two first-round picks on Marcus Davenport. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Right. And it's kind of the same thing with Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley's a really good player. But using three first-round picks on him, especially one that's at number two overall, when your quarterback's about two years away from not being on your team anymore, uh, I don't know about that. You know how many – go ahead. The pro- I said the prospect picks itself from the New York Giants, Saquon Barkley, Will Hernandez, Lorenzo Carter, B.J. Hill, even mm-hmm. Kyle Lawletta, R.J. McIntosh. I, I, I like loved all those players, but it's just the Saquon value at number two. That's right. the only thing. Yeah, completely agree. You know, uh, since 1999, since, I'll say since 2000, since 2000. I was seven. Since 2000. Oh, okay. I was eight. Since 2000, how many running backs – do you think have gone in the first two rounds, like each draft? Like, what do you? Th- what's the highest number of running backs since two thousand that have gone in the first two rounds? What's your guess? Number of running backs. Number of running backs that have gone in the first two rounds. What's the highest number uh, in all the drafts since two thousand? Um, I've got to think like six or seven. Seven is the answer. Okay. Here's how many times it happened. 2008 and 2018. 
That's wow. It. So we were in a loaded running back class, and the Giants decided to take one, despite having four picks in the top 69, which is very nice. Nice. They decided to take a running back. Number two overall in a great quarterback class with Eli Manning unquestionably declining. That's an unforgivable type of error, in my opinion. Now, we'll see. If all the other quarterbacks taken after Baker go on to suck, I mean, they still did the wrong thing, but, but they did less of a wrong thing. Let's put it yeah. that way. Because, I mean, even if you're not taking a take guy, is a different position. And then there's the fact on top of all that, like just the running, you know, he's going to be, what, second highest paid running back in the league I saw? I mean, um, I be- in ter- so, like, that's a – I saw that headline. I believe it's just in terms of total guaranteed money because, obviously, that's kind of what – um, okay. when you, when you, when you do contracts for everybody who's listening, still crazy. the stuff that, the stuff that really matters is guaranteed money because right. the guaranteed money is where a team puts its money where its mouth is, if you will. And right. basically says like, you are worth this much money. And that's why when you pick a rookie running back high rookie contracts are fully guaranteed, they will get all of that money. So Saquon technically gets i think 31 million dollars out of his rookie contract at least um and so that's really really high of guaranteed money for a running back like nobody else gets that other than i think the average in which Le'Veon bell is getting paid yeah correct and that's it so, yeah, just another point in that whole argument. I know people are, like, tired of hearing it. No, just, but, but I just mean, the Giants just, offense absurd right now on paper with talent? Sure. <laughs> but yeah, if the quarterback no, can't play well, then who cares? And, I mean, Hernandez and, Hernandez and Carter, I think, were both also top 40 players for me. So within their first three picks, they got three top 40 players for me. So, like, I, I – That's hard to argue I with. I like their draft. Right. Um, it's just not I as like good the as the players that they got – Sure. Now yeah. I am not as high on Carter as you are, but this is the good. This is the right skill for him. <laughs> Show me what he did on college tape. I just want to see what he did on college tape. Other than an Random. unblocked sack against Notre Dame, which everyone should run unblocked sack against Notre Dame. <laughs> that's what he did. I know that's what he did. I need the <laughs> comma next thing. That's what I need. Uh, other stuff. I don't know. Like, all right, I'm not. I can't like break down for you like certain plays that I had heard on this podcast. You know, he didn't tomorrow. produce. There's no plays. He didn't do anything. He's tomorrow just a guy. He's a yeah, guy. Yeah, Miles Garrett didn't well. produce either. What? Get out of they hated on Jesus too. People forget that. <laughs> uh, BJ Hill is a good player. Is a good pick. I see a lot of potential with Lorenzo Carter. That's all. I know. I know. I. It's hard to argue with potential. It's just hard for me to accept that, you know, you stay four years years at Georgia and you don't get better and you get your playing time cut as a senior and all of a sudden you're going to go kill it in the NFL. But, I mean, at least they took him in round three. We were hearing about him going late late first round. So Yeah. B.J. Hill, I mean, uh, good pick, good depth pick, I think, uh, for sure. Uh, Kyle Laletta, not going to be the future. We've talked about this a little bit. Uh, if you're not a future quarterback, why take one? That's my opinion. I just – I don't get it. But, I mean, is Loletta a guy with Shermer that can – uh, let me go back to this. This was interesting because Pat Shermer said on the he, on NFL Network he was getting interviewed after the draft. And he said – they asked him, would you have taken Saquon Barkley at number two no matter who was available? Like regardless, like no matter who was on the board. 
And he said once Baker went at number one, we were locked in to take Barkley at number two. He prefaced it with once Mayfield was taking number one. And it was I'm not quoting like word for word there, but it's like pretty much oh. word for word. It's very close to what he said. He he clearly said without like he didn't literally say Baker Mayfield was the top guy on our board, but like what he said was like literally like that. I mean that was that close to it. Um, somebody sent it to me. Hang on, I'll, I'll read you the exact quote. Oh, this was what Gettleman said. I'm sorry. Uh, Gettleman said on passing up Sam Darnold, if they went Mayfield, we were taking Saquon. End of discussion. So there you go. And then Shermer said, they said, and Shermer like squirmed and evaded the question. It was kind of like, once we were number two and we saw he was on the board, we, we were locked in. We love Saquon. Like, we knew he was a guy that was going to be high for us the whole time. But, like, they asked him point blank, like, if Mayfield was on the board, basically, would you have taken him? And he, like, danced <laughs> around the question. So, <laughs> so here's the Giants were going Mayfield at number two, dude. The Browns the NFL really did. The NFL really did not like Josh Rosen, did they? Uh, no. Well, I mean, I think, I think some teams like Josh Rosen. The Giants and the Browns were not two of those teams. Nor were the Broncos. Why? I think the Jets liked him. I Why? think the Jets liked him. I think that the Cardinals liked him. Obviously, I think the Chargers would have tried to move up. I mean, I think that there's a bunch of teams. The I don't Patriots, think the Jets really liked him. I know the Jets liked him. What does like him mean? Third? I, they would have picked him third? No, I, I'm i not sure. Mayfield, Rosen, or it would have been Mayfield, Darnold, Rosen. Here's what the Jets did. They moved up knowing that they had a shot at any of those top three, and they were completely comfortable with all of them. So do I get that? Do I get that philosophy? No, I don't. But... They also said things afterward to indicate, though, that Mayfield could have been their top guy, but they didn't feel like they were going to get him. So maybe you're right. Maybe he was three for them. But I know that they liked him, and there were serious discussions about he and Sam Darnold once Mayfield was off the board. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think that, it, again, it was like it was just – it seemed like everybody loved Baker, which was crazy because here's a six-foot-one quarter, not even one quarterback who – Got arrested, <laughs> even though we love Baker. Yeah, it was like everything that teams hated about other, you know, quarterbacks in the past. Yeah. Off field stuff. And There's just no character concerns and size, and it just didn't matter at all. And scheme. Don't forget scheme. All the things that teams rant and rave about with other quarterbacks and make up out of thin air. And they were just excused with Baker, which obviously we love Baker. So, like, you know, I'm not trying to hate. I'm just saying it's. It is. It's no consistency. It's one thing if it's just the Browns, but I'm telling you, the Giants were going to take Baker if he was there. I don't know where the Jets were at with this whole thing. There's been weird. They would have taken Baker. They kind of said things first. all over the place, but, but let's assume they would have. He would have been high on their board too, based on. And the Broncos kind of too, right? The Broncos love Baker. Broncos like Baker and Darnold. Broncos love Baker. Weird. It's crazy, dude. I think he might have been the top four, top quarterback on all the four of the five teams, or yeah, the four four of the five teams that were drafted, and I guess you know the Browns drafted twice, but every team yep. every team drafted basically uh, in the in the top five. I think he was the consensus QB one after after NFL Network and ESPN pushed for months that it was Josh Allen and Sam Darnold, and they were most the teams a quarterback most teams liked at the top. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. That Baker did. That. I mean, that it goes to show you, yes, the inconsistencies that just are mind boggling, but also Baker had to do some serious work to win people over in the during the pre draft process. 
because you, you come in with your preconceived notions of him and then he won him over. He won like every team over. I think that says a ton about who he is as a person, the kind of leadership and the kind of personality that he's bringing to an organization. For all that's been said about that in a slanderous way or, or a negative way, I guess I should say, um, man, I just think as impressive a pre-draft process probably from that standpoint as any prospect that I can remember seeing. You know, a guy that was like, when we started this process, people were like, will Baker go in the first round? Will teams like him that much? It's the, dude, I mean, like, the Manziel, are, the, like, the Manziel narrative continued all the way until draft weekend. All the way until draft weekend. So It's crazy. That's why. But it was just totally, make- totally media-driven. Completely yeah. media-driven. Not team-driven yeah. whatsoever. Which goes yep. to show you, the media drives the quarterback conversation much more than the NFL will, right? We heard they hated last year's quarterback class. Two teams traded away this year's draft to go get quarterbacks. I mean, what else do you, you know, what more do you want in terms of evidence? We heard, remember we heard uh, who Davis Webb and Cal Laletta and Luke Falk and uh, Brad Kaya and Nathan Peterman. We've heard all those guys supposed to be top from anywhere from first round with Webb and to even Mason Rudolph first round and he ends up going to the third round. Teams pass up on him twice. Quarterback narratives in the offseason, in the draft season, totally media-driven. Reality is something that totally different from what from what media's doing. If they have anything to say about a quarterback, media's going to say it, even if it's unsubstantiated, even if they you know, have talked to somebody with clearly an agenda, it doesn't matter. Anything you say about quarterback, they're going to say it because they know you're going to eat it up. And we've been fooled about quarterbacks for a couple years in a row now in terms of what the media reported and what actually happened. So... Buyer beware in that situation. That's all I'm yep. saying. Or better beware, I guess I should say. Because I know people care more about those things. Um, so there you go. There's the NFC East draft classes. Our thoughts on them. Who are we doing tomorrow? Well, who do you want? Uh, we gotta. It's got to be random. We got to, you right. know, we got to give the, reason, the, the people a reason to, you know, come back in. You know, who could, who could it be today? Yeah, you know? c- could be your team. Could you can't just give them be. everything just because they give you a couple of compliments on the internet, right. John. You can't just give them everything they want right I'm out there. So, we still soft, got a dude. we still got a podcast to run. Jeez, I'm, man. I'm softy McSoft right now. You want you just know, being that's tender, tender and emotional and nice for a change. That's what I'm trying to do. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Surprise division getting selected for our evaluation purposes. Until then, you keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.